Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yeah, what's up and welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley. Thank you guys for joining me again. Of course, on the other side of the mic, I got my man Scotty D with me and we got so much to talk about today. Before we get into what's going on around the country in the world of sports, my man Quincy Avery will be joining us today. This guy has done it all. This guy is a QB coach, a guru, a trainer, whatever you want to call him. He is that dude. He has trained the likes of Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, Josh Dobbs. I mean, the list goes on. This guy's going to sit down and he's going to talk to us today about his journey and where he's at now and how he's become one of the top QB gurus in all the country. So looking forward to talk to Quincy and seeing how he became so successful. We're going to ask him some of those tough questions about some of those dudes who everybody likes to watch on a weekly basis on Saturdays and Sundays as well. But there's a lot to talk about. And my man, Scotty D, before we came on, said, I am emotional. I got a lot to talk about today. And we're going to jump right on in because it's a lot going on this week. We thought we had a lot to talk about last week in college football. We thought we had a lot to talk about with the NFL season starting up. But college football seems to continue to get crazier and crazier each and every day. And just this week, Big Ten, Pac-12 postponed their seasons, saying they're looking for options in the spring, if you could possibly play in the spring. And we got so many different ways we can go with this particular situation. But before we get to college and we get to Big Ten, Pac-12, let's talk a little NFL football first because I think they go hand-in-hand with what we have talked about today. Camp is in session for sure. Uh, I was reading something today, Scotty. It said the Cowboys and Saints are creating a camp-style bubble Mm -hmm. of their own. Yeah, The Cowboys and the Saints both have gotten – hotels right next to where their facilities are. So they're trying to quarantine themselves throughout camp. I thought that was pretty cool. Not a lot of teams do that. Not a lot of teams want to stay away from their families, but I think they want to play football. They don't want to have all the cases come up. So they're taking this on themselves. What do you think about those couple teams creating their own camp bubble? I think they should all be doing it. I mean, how are you going to proceed if you don't? people don't start isolating? True. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you want to... If you want to move forward with your season, and the problem is they have to rely on all the teams to do this, but yeah. if, if if you're going to move on with your season, you can't have people sneaking out to sneaking out of the hotel like they are in baseball. You can't have people <laughs> getting wings like they are, you know, <laughs> just stepping out to shake whoa, shacks. Whoa, I don't know now. Hold on, hold on. Now. I ain't gonna let you talk back. Now I'm just playing. Nah, you can't let them be talking. Everybody you know, likes sneaking good. Out everybody to likes wings. some good wings. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, you know, so. I'm just I'm just beside myself right now. Yeah. Every ten minutes, I'm changing my opinion on <laughs> on everything that's going on, and it's because all the decisions are changing every For ten sure. minutes. For sure. So yeah, I think it's a terrific idea. Yeah. It, it, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. To me, it's like wearing a mask. Yeah. If I can get sports back quicker. Yeah. 
if my kids can go back to school quicker, wear a mask. Yeah. Let's let's slow it. Let's Especially stop it. with with everything going on in college football. We already got two of the five power conferences who we just talked about who are quote unquote opting out for this fall season. And you're talking about the next level and what that means for guys who could possibly make it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about guys like a Trevor Lawrence, guys like a Justin Fields, who will have the opportunity to go to the next level and without having a full season, how that affects some other guys. Now, I have a different thought on this because I talked about it last week. There are a lot of guys coming into this season in college football that you say, okay, well, this is maybe they're coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is their first year starting. And you're talking about taking away that season and then playing it in the spring. I already have my reserves about playing in the spring. I don't like it. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know how you can play a game, play any games in the spring and turn around a couple months later and have another football season. Yes. So that's one thing that I'm I'm totally against. I hope that does not happen and they figure out a way to uh, remedy all this. But spring football for me is out. Going back to some of the things we talked about in the National Football League, though, a couple coaches this week, Philly head coach Doug Peterson is back with his team after testing positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to NFL protocol, he had to wait 10 days and have two consecutive negative tests over a span of five days before he returned. He is back. And Scotty, I don't know if you heard this, but how about ESPN talk to Rams head coach Sean McVay about leaving the Rams and being a part of the Monday night football booth? Now, they said they kind of looked at him as like a John Gruden type of yeah. character okay. in the booth. And they actually thought he would leave the Rams after being there, what is his fourth, fifth year? Yeah. And go into the booth for Monday night football. Sean McVay is only 34 years old, by the way. Uh, it has tons of success already in National Football League. But I thought that was pretty intriguing that they asked the guy who was actually coaching to leave their team. That's crazy. And go into the booth. Yeah, that's crazy. I actually missed that. So my first, <laughs> my first, uh, at first glance, that's that does seem crazy. Yeah. I, but at the same time, I don't understand why John Gruden left that job. I don't either. To go coach the Raiders. Because he was making a killing in the booth. I know. And, and it's not... Golly, I can't imagine how. I mean, look, I know you got to do your research and everything, but yeah. that ain't near the hours you're spending when you're As coaching. A coach, for yeah, sure, for sure. So, hey, maybe he'll have a job once he's done. And that's a big part of, you know, moving on to that next level is when you're done coaching, maybe you get a chance to be in the booth. So, yeah. Kudos to Sean McVay looking at him in that light. Let's jump back into college football. So, we talked about Big Ten, Pac 12, our two uh, conferences that have kind of opted out, said we're not playing. Then comes the conversation about the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. All are still holding strong, saying they will play football. And I think it all comes down to the Big 12. Ultimately, I think you need a majority to play. Yeah, Big 10 is out. Pac-12 is out. We know what's going on on the West Coast. I talked to a good friend of mine, Rod Gilmore, who said, hey, we are shut down right now. We're back into lockdown mode in California. Right. And Big Ten is up north. We know they had some issues up there as well. Uh, I saw Ryan Day said they're exploring options to play a full season, and it's a fluid situation, so they're looking at everything. We also saw Scott Frost in Nebraska, what he mm-hmm. said. He, he basically said, <laughs> we will look outside our conference. And I started reading more upon it. And the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, says Nebraska is not allowed to play in the fall. So you got Nebraska over here saying – we looking outside our conference to play. Yeah. And the commissioner saying, oh, no, y'all ain't going nowhere. What do you think of, first off, the Big Ten and Pac-12 
saying we're not going to play this fall. And do you think football will happen with just the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 if they all stay where they are right now, which is pretty strong? So let me back up one step. You said majority has to play for it to work. So you're basically saying if one more conference drops out, it's probably done. I think so. I mean, I think you could easily say it's probably done anyway. But, yeah, okay. Um, I think the ACC is just going to follow the SEC. They're going to do whatever they do. Now – Back to what you That's said. That's why I said the Big 12 yeah. is a big, big factor in this. Listen, Pac-12 and Big 10, they're different football conferences than, than those other three. True, true. Um, so I think they're just in CYA mode. They're just trying to cover their ass, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want any repercussions from this to happen. And I don't blame them. I, I, I get that. And there's nobody who wants football more than me. But yeah. I don't see that – I don't see how – that's not. This isn't going to be the outcome for all the conferences, yeah. frankly. Yeah, they're not paid, they're not professional, they're not employees, and so I, I don't. It look, I want football. Yeah. I, I love football as much as anybody. Here's the tough conversation I think that a lot of people are having, especially when it comes to college players, but also they're talking about moving into the spring. How much effect does this have on a National Football League? We talk about so many guys who who will have an opportunity to play on the next level and they want to get drafted. If you don't have a full season mm-hmm. to help yourself mm-hmm. climb up the charts, where do you land? And for the last couple of days, I've been thinking, what if there wasn't a season last year? Yeah. What if we never saw what Joe Burrow and mm-hmm. LSU could do? Right. What if there was a season before that where we saw Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, all those guys kind of drive up that, 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 that draft chart mm-hmm. and – Guys who were third or fourth rounds, like all those guys were, end up being first picks in the yeah. NFL draft. That's what that's what scares me is the opportunity that a lot of players will miss if they don't have this season. And then what does the NFL do? Do they move the draft back? Yeah. Because we all know college football and the NFL kind of go hand in hand. They mm-hmm. need each other, obviously. The NFL, will they kind of extend an olive branch to college football and say, all right, let's move it back to June so that we can make sure we see film on all these guys. Yeah. The scouting departments for the NFL will be totally different because they won't see a whole slew of guys who won't be playing. Right. So there are a lot of question marks here that I think the NFL is really concerned about when they're talking about a bunch of these conferences not playing, missing out on a bunch of guys who could possibly be big-time draft picks. This is going to be interesting to see what happens. And if the NFL, they've already said now they're not moving from April. They said that right now, but as we know, things change by the day. Yeah. First of all, Joe Burrow would be having lunch with The Rock right now trying to figure <laughs> out when the XFL is starting because two years ago, was not spect- it was nothing spectacular about what he did. No. But I don't think the NFL is going to make any concessions. I, think, I don't think this will affect the draft. I think it will affect the, in, the NFL hopefuls, right. the kids that, that, that plan on being – you know, that want to be drafted in the NFL. Right. I also think that if I'm Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, any of these top, top guys that are going to come out of the draft, I'm, I'm not playing this year. Yeah. I'll say we want to play all we want, but I'm sure not playing the spring stuff. Maybe, maybe in the fall, but I'm not playing in the spring. Yeah. Um, there, but the NFL is going to have to rely on, on tape from last year. And to your point, there's a lot of kids that, that, that are going to miss out on their, their, you know, potentially their best season. I talked about the spring a little bit earlier, and obviously there are a bunch of people who have weighed in on it. And a guy who we watch every single week, and Reese Davis, had an interesting take 
on should spring happen or should it not happen? I do want to get in one thing about the idea of a, a spring season. I think it's completely irresponsible. Prior to the pandemic, we have worked very hard in football to make it as safe as we possibly can. There have been countless studies about concussions. We have limited collisions in practice. We have limited the days of contact. And these two guys know very few teams ever even tackle to the ground in practice anymore, mm. let alone in spring practice, maybe a couple, outside of a couple scrimmages or something. Game-like collisions, and these guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been watching this sport my whole life. Game-like collisions are different than the somewhat, if not largely controlled, environment in practice. If you ask these guys, and not the NFL draft pick guys, they're not going to play. But if you ask these guys to come and go through those types of collisions and then turn around and do it again in the fall without pushing it out far enough so that a medical professional can convince me that there's been enough time not only to recover, but to try to prevent other injuries in addition to concussion and be properly uh, conditioned and trained for a football season and all the inherent risks that come with that. If you're going to do that and play 20 games, maybe 18, 20, 21 games in less than a calendar year, don't talk to me about safety anymore. I don't want to hear it. It's disingenuous if that's the case. And until a medical professional, some of whom I've run this by and they agree with me, tells me otherwise, I think spring followed by another fall that quickly together is completely irresponsible and does not have the best interest of the players at heart. I'm totally with Reese Davis. I said it earlier. I am not a fan of these kids having to play back to back to back like that. I can only put myself in that position of when we finish spring practice, could I go into a fall season? And as much as I said, yeah, I could, but that was just practice. That wasn't playing full out right. games. So I completely agree with Reese Davis and what he talks about in spring being irresponsible and making it very dangerous for the players. Uh, and, and it's one of those questions you got to ask. And then there's the other question of all these teams and all these schools and all these players, they say it's a lot safer to mm -hmm. be at their facility because they have so many of the testing. They have so many things that can help these kids stay healthy. And there's a lot of conversation going around about are they really safe? And I thought Dabo Sweeney had an interesting take on if the NCAA players are safer with their own teams. This is the safest environment that we can have our guys, without a doubt, you know, as opposed to letting these guys all leave and, and go home and, and be in these environments where they're not getting tested, you know, every single week. They don't have the, the type of sanitized environment that we have here, mitigated environment that we have here. Um, you know, the medical care, we, anytime we, we haven't had a guy test positive and we've had one since, since, you know, early July. And we've been together every day and practicing, and that doesn't mean somebody can't get the virus, but but our quarantining plan and how these guys are cared for, and the nutrition, the supervision, uh, and just just most of all the motivation to do what they need to do uh, so that they can do what they love to do. Everybody understands we all know that, that there's risk, and we all know there's a virus, and we cancel football, the virus isn't going to go away. And it is, it is fully my belief that these guys are safer here than without us. Uh, and not only are they safer here, mentally, it's better for them. And uh, so just, you know, nobody has to be here. I don't have to be here. I have two kids on the team. I have a, a junior in high school playing high school football. So we all understand, 
that there's risk. And if you told me we canceled football, that nobody get the virus, hey, I'd be the first person to sign up. But but that's not reality. The virus isn't going away. It's going to still be here in the spring. And, you know, we, we, we've done a good job here of mitigating and finding a way to move with it and to, to do things in a safe way uh, to so that, again, we can do what we love to do. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, you're just doing this for financial reasons. And, you know, all this staff is going to get paid whether we're here or not. All these player scholarships are good whether they're here or not. This is what we, we, we love to do. Somewhere along the line, you know, we have to recognize that we love the game. We love the game. And, uh, again, we all know there's risk um, for sure. But we feel like this is the safest place that we could all be in this environment uh, with each other to continue to push forward. So, again, I support my guys. I'm super proud of their leadership. And uh, uh, hopefully, again, we can we can find a way to, to get back to the field. I agree with Dabo in a couple instances, but also – there is, I think it's tough to keep these kids under wraps. Mm-hmm. Scotty, think about when you're in college, 18 to 22. You want to play, yeah, you're all in. But right now it's easy because nobody's on campus. Wait till some of those kids yeah. come back to campus. Wait till the girls come. Wait till, I mean, that's, 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 that's what it is. I mean, <laughs> I tried to keep it PG, but that's exactly what it is. Once the girls get back on campus, the parties will start back up. Guys are going to want to say, hey, let's just go hang out for 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Let's just go see what they're doing over here. And who knows what's going to happen. So uh, there's good and there's bad to that. Uh, only if 18 to 22-year-old kids could uh, abide by that. So uh, this college football season already, and what I say is the, the preterm is, is really struggling right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the weeks to come. Um, SEC moved theirs back to September 26th. And I know a lot of people were wondering and, and wanted the Big Ten, wanted the Pac-12 to just wait a couple days, to think a little bit longer, to maybe go back a week and just let things kind of ease up and maybe go back and you know see if they could possibly have this season. But it wasn't for sure. And I, I saw James Franklin at Penn State lobbying hard for it. We know Scott Frost is lobbying for it. Uh, for them just to maybe postpone and push it back a couple weeks like the SEC did. But mm-hmm. right now, there will be no Big Ten football, no Pac-12 football. Uh, so tons of conferences and, and and teams and schools won't have that opportunity to play this fall, which is which is really sad. So Justin Fields tweet, a simple SMH shaking my head. I, I can I can only I can only imagine what's going through that that, that young kid's head. So let, let me ask you a question. Do you think the Big Ten has a right to tell Nebraska they can't play football if they've taken it off the table? Yeah, because... Contractually, they probably do. Contractually, yeah, and because Nebraska wanted to join the Big Ten. So you wanted to come into that conference, mm. you got to abide by the rules. And we know each and every conference is run by those yeah. commissioners. So yeah. guess what? They're, they're like their own independent entity. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. And, you know, things change by the day, so... Uh, hoping only the best and these kids get a chance to play, uh, but also they're safe while doing it. Jumping to the NBA. There's pretty much only one thing I want to talk about earlier this week. My man Dame Lillard, Dame Time, <laughs> dropped 61 on the Mavs. His third 60-point game of the season joins Will Chamberlain as only players in league history with three or more 60-point games in a season. And he had some choice words for... Uh, the Mavs that he's walking off the court. 
which was uh You a good lip re- lip reader? <laughs> I can read lips really well, but shout out Dame, man. He, he with that big win, he put their team in position and took over that eighth place uh away from the Memphis Grizzly and John Morant. So they got one seeding game to go, which is tonight, Thursday night. They got a big game versus Brooklyn. And it's pretty simple. Tonight you win and you're in the seeding round finale and the guaranteed a spot to play in this weekend's hey, win and get in round. And you win, you get to see the Lakers in the first round. So Yeah, for your... me it's time to start paying attention because uh, <laughs> my team's my team wasn't even invited to to play. So yeah, yeah. I'm just uh I'm I can start paying attention now. I don't know if I don't know if Dame's gonna be Enough to to go too deep in the playoffs. So he's hey man, he's been amazing. Dame had back to back fifty point amazing. games. Amazing. It's Dame time. Just like we have, he's becoming a household name where you can only just say his first name and you know who he is. Like mm-hmm. LeBron, Kawhi, Dame. You know who mm-hmm. they are. You know. Yeah. So Dame Dame's coming to his own man. And basketball's about to crank up now. We know it goes to the next level once the the, the playoffs start. So it's gonna be fun to watch, man. See what happens this weekend. Last but not least. Colin Morikawa at the PGA Championship went bananas in that final round on Sunday. Ended up, you know, going minus 13, winning 1.9 milli for his pockets. Oh, man, what a great, what a great Sunday for him, having to chase down a few folks. And the shot he had on 16 on yes, that par four was bananas. And, of course, I'll bring it up. We both had our particular guys that we chose. So if you want to talk about this, I'll sit back. Uh, it's all yours. Well, it's not, I don't think there's much to say about it. Uh, I chose Brooks Kepka and Bubba Watson. You had Xander Shoffley and JT. And first couple of days, I was on you real hard. Is JT <laughs> going to make it? Is he going to make the cut? Come Sunday, I think my phone was broke. It didn't work or something. So I, so I going to be truthful. I just kind of stopped paying attention Friday night. I knew I was going to watch some golf on the weekend, <laughs> you but thought he was out. I thought JT wasn't going to make the cut. He snuck in somehow, and I was pretty excited. But I thought you have Kepka going. Kepka's Kepka's going to be on lock. Kepka, was Kepka might there. win this thing. Kepka was talking cash money was too. T- Kepka was talking about how good he was going to do and about how he had all the the resume and experience and. Uh, so I, I, I thought I was done for, I was regretting, I was dreading some stuff and, and then Bubba made the cut. Yeah. But then mm, mm, Sunday, it got mm, ugly mm, for mm. my man, Brooks Kepka. He ended yeah. up going minus three, ended up tying for 29th. He had a horrible Sunday. Bubba ended plus four, tied for 71st. Yeah, Xander, Xander, your boy Xander finished pretty well, man. Xander. Tied for 10th. Yeah. He was minus eight and JT ended up tied for 37th yeah. at minus one. So uh, you got me on this particular round, so uh, it's all good. All right, we'll do it again. You got the Wyndham Championship coming this weekend in Greensboro, George, Greensboro, North Carolina, excuse me, at Sedgefield Country Club. So that starts today, another packed field. Um, I'm going to take a week off from this one, man. I don't know, man. I, I was a little salty, but yeah. other than that. So we big, need to do it every week. We'll do it for the big ones. <laughs> big week in National Football League College. Uh, basketball, everything's cranking up right now. Golf is starting to, you know, catch some steam. So, all's fun and games, man, here on the Triple Threat Podcast. And as usual, I always got to leave my man Scotty D with something interesting. <clears throat> you ready for this one, Scott? Yeah. It's pretty easy, man. It's it's. I just want to know what your biggest pet peeve is. Everybody has a pet peeve. What's your biggest pet peeve? That is, you know why that's so hard? Really? Because I have a yeah. lot of pet peeves. Oh, you got a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got one that just, yeah, you, that pierces I need your soul you, a yeah, little bit? I need, you to, I need you to narrow it. Is it pet peeve when I'm in a car? Pet peeve 
when I'm at home. See, that's what it is. I got one. When I'm at a store. I got one that's one in the car that it kind of trumps a lot of things. What's mm-hmm. one that just, if it happens five times, you're irate five times. Like some things you can get over and be like, all right, forget it. But what's your biggest pet peeve that you just, you just like, you can't stand? It's so hard. You want me? You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead and go first. Okay. Give me, give me okay. a second. To think so about my it. biggest pet peeve is when you're driving down the road mm-hmm. and you let somebody get over. Yeah. Or say you're at a stoplight and somebody is pulling out and they need to get out mm-hmm. and you let them out. Yeah. And they don't wave. Yes. They don't throw their yeah, hand. I don't up. like that either. They don't look back. Oh, that makes me so angry. Yeah. It makes me want to drive up and get back in front of them because yeah. I'm like, I was nice enough to let you get over. I was nice enough to let you get in. I could have just you know, let you sit there and wait for all the cars to pass, right. but I let you through and then you can't even throw me a finger. You can't throw me a wave or nothing. So and you give them, you throw them a finger. I'm angry. No, I'm angry. I, that, I'm ang- that no, irritates I me. I ride up on them and I just like stare through their car. Like, dude, you couldn't say nothing. You couldn't say nothing. Then I ride by real fast. Yeah. Where's your appreciation? Yeah, man. Yeah. I've got, Oh my gosh. So one of my one, I'll tell you what my, probably my biggest, traffic pet, pet peeve is and most of my big pet peeves are have to do with driving <laughs> is when somebody is not in the correct lane that they need to be in uh-huh. say they want to turn left and there's a left turn lane right and they stop traffic in the straight lane yeah because because yeah, yeah and i'm like you had all the opportunity to you get had yeah you had all this opportunity and you know what i do when i'm in that situation if there's not an opening i'll go going. i'll go keep driving i'll turn around it's yeah. my my mistake i'll do that honest to god yeah. But, you know, if there's a, if there's a gap, I'll, I'll pop in. But that really drives me nuts when they just stop traffic. Yeah. I'm with y'all now. I'm, I'm with y'all now. I see that happen all the time. Selfish. And people are just, I'm going to get over no matter what. Yeah. All right, man. Biggest pet peeve. Let us know your biggest pet peeves, man. You know, you can find us everywhere, man. I'm at DJ Shockley 3. Scotty, tell them where they can find you. Scotty D425. And we got to continue to follow the Triple Threat Pod on Instagram, Twitter, man. Continue to follow us. And I'm looking forward to this next conversation. I told you he was on the way. This guy has tutored and mentored a lot of the great QBs. And wait till you hear what this guy talks about when he says who are some of the best guys coming out right now. So coming up, my man Quincy Avery. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And my guest on today's show is one of the nation's top QB trainers. And you talk about training the top guys on every single level. This guy has done it. This guy is the founder of the QB Flight School, Playbook Athlete. He has the Quincy Avery QB Academy. Welcome to the show, my man Quincy Avery Q. How you doing, man? Man, I'm blessed. How you been? Man, all good, all good. I like to ask people, you know, what's going on, because obviously these are different times that are going on with COVID-19, but if anybody follows you on IG, they know you stay moving. You know, you look girl always <laughs> moving, so uh, it's always fun with you, man, but how you been doing during these uh, tough COVID times? Uh, it's, I mean, we had to, like, move and adjust, try to figure out a plan, see what worked, see what didn't, um, and also at the same time trying to keep everybody safe, so we just had to navigate through it. I think we kind of figured out a way to safely do what we do in wow. terms of being on the field, but um, it's going to be real interesting just in seeing are we able to pull off a season at high school, college, or any level, really. So right. I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. You know what, man? I want 
everybody to get a little background on how you started, where you came from, and it's going to open the eyes, I think, to a lot of people of where you are now. A lot of people see you now, and they know you trained Deshaun Watson, you trained Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Haskins, all these different guys, but a lot of people don't know the backstory to what makes Quincy so good, and a lot of people don't know how you started, and I think a good story for you to tell, I know it, I've read it, I've heard about it, uh, but talk about you driving to UCLA from Atlanta, sleeping in your car, in the locker room, all that kind of stuff to get to where you are now. But start there so people get a, a idea of the work ethic that this guy has. All right. So, uh, yeah, I can get into that. I got done playing football at Morehouse College right in Atlanta. Um, and then I knew that I wanted to get into coaching. So I'm trying to figure out. All right, how do I navigate into coaching? My dad used to be a coach, X, Y, Z. So one of the schools that I saw, a new coaching staff, was Rick Neuheisel at UCLA. So I just picked up, put everything in my car, and I drove to the office, and I sat there. He was coming in, came in the office. Hey, what are you doing here? I said, I want a job. He said, no. <laughs> uh, he goes in the back, back to his office. He comes out. He sees me sitting down, asks me again. Hey, I want to, he's like, what are you doing? I said, I still want a job. He's like, no, it's not how this works. Big time college football. <laughs> Finally, the next day he comes in, he's like, all right, if you're here tomorrow morning, when I get here, I'll give you, we can talk. And it's the third day. It's the third this day is, you don't set in his, his office. I, I literally sat in that office for 12 hours every day. Oh man. Like he's come in for work, leave work. I'll still be there. So the final day he's like, all right, whatever. Third day. He's like, meet me here tomorrow. We can talk. He gets in there. We start talking. He's like, look, I don't have a job for you, but if you want to work, you can volunteer here. So I'm like, man, I don't have any money. I can't get a house, but I do want to coach. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just sleep in the locker room. So for the next next two years, I live between my car and the, the locker room. I'll get up every day. Um, I was working for Norm Child. Norm's an early person. Yeah. He's in the office every day by 4.30 a.m. Yeah. Right. So he wants his coffee on the desk by the time he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> New Heisel was a late later guy. He would get there at about 7 a.m., wouldn't leave most nights till 11, midnight, right? So I'm there every day, 4 in the morning to midnight. So it wasn't wow. as bad sleeping in the car, sleeping in the office, just because I didn't really have much time to do anything else. But uh, after after doing that for two years, I decided I want to get into the private coaching sector. Mm-hmm. I, had seen it, I had seen it bubbling a little bit, people doing their thing, starting to coach. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. So I figured... All right, let me go to Atlanta. I don't see anybody there doing this. Right. I drive to Atlanta, uh, didn't have no money, and I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be easy. I used to coach college football. Everybody's going to want to train with me. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. All right, so I'm reaching, <laughs> I'm reaching out to folks. They like, nah. They like, nah. So every morning, I'm still living in my car at this point. I'll get up in the morning. I'll go work out at LA Fitness, leave the gym, go to Starbucks. And I'm and I'm just gonna look through every roster of every team, fifth grade and up. So this right? is so, so this is true. You lived in your car, went to LA Fitness to take a shower, and then went to Starbucks <laughs> and was looking dudes up. Yeah, yeah. Look at anybody who looked like a quarterback. If their number was <laughs> one through nineteen, they was about to get a message. So, man, we did that, and then one of the first guys I got was Josh Dobbs, oh, and yeah. then we was just we was rolling from there, and I just kept picking up. Kept being consistent, right? Um, just, just trying to do the little things right over and over. 
Right. And I got Deshaun, you know what I'm saying? I'm training the best two guys in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And and things just kind of took away from there. And now on Sundays, I'm in three states every Sunday. We got locations popping up all over the country. So it's we got one of the biggest quarterback training, probably the biggest quarterback training company um, in the country and probably in the world. So it, it's cool to just see, like, just being consistent, right. having a plan, working a plan. And even when things are looking really, really dim, uh, if, if you're if you're having fun and doing what you want to do, right. um, don't stop. Just keep doing the thing, and, and, and eventually it'll work out, or something else will come to fruition because you were you were consistent. People are going to see that. Now, Q, you talked about obviously you started at a time where it wasn't booming like it is now in Atlanta, but a lot of people want to know what's the difference between a, a quarterback trainer, a quarterback coach, or a quarterback guru. What separates you from those guys? Um, the, the thing that separates me from like a, a typical quarterback coach, someone who works with somebody in the team frame, is, is a lot of times those guys have to focus on the X's and O's scheming up to beat a particular opponent. Right. They don't have necessarily the time to start working on the smaller mechanics. You, I mean, you know it. Coaches are just going to be like, yo, he was open. You need to hit him. <laughs> no doubt. Right? No doubt. They're not about to say like, Hey, you need to do this with your foot. This is not because they don't, they haven't spent the time necessarily to work on those little fine details. They just understand the game really well. Um, The difference between me and people in that aspect is the only thing I've really cared about was learning how to throw the ball better. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of doing pro development, going to other teams and understanding offenses, I spent my summers going to between like golf instructors, baseball instructors, just understanding the ability to rotate better and, and understanding how to throw the ball. So that's what I spend my time doing. Um, and then you got to start digging into how do you start preparing guys. And I just had a head start at that because yeah. I did coach in college and my dad was in the NFL. So I just understood the game really well. And, and now I get to be around people who understand it even better. So I'm always learning in that aspect. I've been around you and I've known you for a minute. I remember back in the day, long time ago, uh, before you took off, I remember – I came out to a quarterback kind of thing that you had going on. I knew then that you were a little different. And I think the demeanor that you coach with, the type of uh, swag that you you coach with, I think it's different from a lot of other coaches as well. And one of the, I guess one of the best compliments that I saw was a quote that you got from Tony Dungy that said, he's a great communicator and a great teacher. If my goal was to be a college QB, I would definitely want to learn from Coach Avery. I thought – a guy of Dungy's stature saying things like that went a long way. And what do you say is kind of your mantra as far as how you go about training? I know you talk about the fundamentals, which are number one, but whenever I watch your stories, I watch, you know, your training guys, you know, you're having a good time, you're having fun. Talk about that relationship you have with your particular guys that you train. I think what allowed me to be really successful, I, I do think I understand how to communicate, um, but it, it's two things. One, every guy that I work with, I think has a really good understanding that I care about them as a person right. more than anything else. So when you care care about people and you care about things other than just that football field, you can share more with them in terms of your expectations, um, the things that you want to do so that they can be successful. And they know that you're saying it from a place of love or caring and you really want the best for them, right? So that yeah. that makes things really, really, uh, really easy for me in terms of building these lasting relationships. And the other thing is my ability to create quick quick relationships. 
right? I, I've, I've been living in, I've lived the life of a, a football coach's son. So I've seen so many different guys mm-hmm. and seen how they react and relate to so many different people that I can, I can quickly pick up on what people are going through and then be able to create a quick five minute conversation that makes them feel really comfortable around me. And that leads to longer lasting, um, more valuable relationships. So those are the two things that I think have helped me out the most. And then being able to communicate in a way that uh, young guys understand. If I'd had a young coach like me when I was coming up, I think I'd have felt more comfortable with a lot of things they were saying right. um, because they can communicate in a way that, that I understand. Um, so it's going to be interesting as I keep getting older, how do I keep evolving <laughs> so that I can, so I can have the same relationship with these dudes. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's the question that I think a lot of people, a lot of kids kind of are interested in is obviously you coach guys on a pro level, coach guys on a collegiate level, but where it starts is these kids that are in high school. And I know these kids are looking at you. They want to train with you. They want to be the best. And they see you train to Sean. They see you training all these big-time players on the next level. What is the relationship like? And how do you start that relationship with kids that you first get and you're training them from day one? What's that experience like for those particular kids? Because I know there are tons of kids who want to train with you and they want to be in that spot. Where do you start those kids at as a QB trainer? That that's interesting. It's always kind of gauging like where they are as both a player and a person, and like how much can you handle. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see so many young guys, and and now it's at the point where I can't work with everybody in the same way. Yeah. So it's all about like how do I how can I help you the best? So I don't have like a cookie cutter or like a template right. on how I'm gonna work with a new guy in terms of when I get them. It's just trying to meet them where they're at so that they feel comfortable with me, and then I can give them the knowledge I have about the game. That's pretty good, man. I think that's something that uh, when you talk about coaches around on any level, they always talk about, hey, this is my plan, this is what I do, and I like the fact that you mentioned, hey, I find out where they are, and then we build from there, so that's pretty cool. You know, uh, obviously, we, we talk about some of these guys you've trained, Deshaun and Justin and Jayla, I mean, all these different guys you've trained, Obviously, the relationship that you have with Deshaun now is pretty cool. Uh, I think it was this past summer or last summer, you guys were all over the world. Talk about that relationship, how that has grown from meeting him at Elite 11 to now where you guys are. And obviously, I read where you, know, you guys are breaking down the game right after the game. I think there was a situation where you guys were on NRG Field and you're going through everything from that past game with Carolina. I mean, all that kind of stuff. How has that relationship kind of blossom into where it is now where you guys are like big bro and little bro. Yeah, man, it, it's crazy how that kind of took place. Like, I, I met him when he was a junior in high school. Um, and it, it's it's interesting because actually right now, I mean, he's he's one of my best friends. Like, when I want to talk about even things that I'm going to, he's somebody who I reach out to. So, right. um, it really, it, it was that whole care factor. Like, I just cared about the things he was going through. Um, he had to go through a lot as somebody in high school just – dealing with the things he had to deal with with his mom. She right. had tongue cancer and things like that. So he was, he had to mature really, really early. And we could connect on a lot of the things in terms of the struggles, um, things that we had gone through. And it made it an instant relationship. And then the football part grew because we saw the game the same way. Like, I, I'm nowhere near as talented as he is, but we understood a lot of the same things. And I could communicate in a way that it made sense to him um, when he was on the field. And then we start getting things like his rookie season, he gets injured. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person who's there after he gets injured is me. Like I see it on the ticker. I don't even call him. I just buy a flight 
and I'm at his house waiting on him when he gets home. And, and then we're able to just joke and like make him feel comfortable and understand like, yeah, you got hurt and it sucks, but life's going to be bigger than that. We, we got a much bigger story to tell than just this time of getting hurt. So all these different things and all these different moments have played into it. I mean, we go on trips together. We're always <laughs> training. We go on these trips. Uh, we're having fun. So we, we do both the business side, um, the football side, and the friendship side. We do all those things together. So um, it creates a, a unique relationship um, that I haven't had with anybody else right. um, in that way. I mean, I have a lot of really great guys that I train and, and somebody else like that is like Josh Dobbs. He's, he's also one of my best friends. Like mm -hmm. those kind of relationships are lasting and, and they're special. It's pretty cool to hear that type of uh, relationship with, you know, obviously guys you got to work hard with, but also that you come up with and, and you know, you guys are around each other for a lot. Now uh, I think a lot of people would love to hear where you think some guys are headed and their projection, like a Justin Fields or a Jalen Hurst taking his talent to the next level, you've obviously had a chance to see these guys up close and personal and see some of the, the nuances of things that make them good from their footwork to the mechanics to, you know, staying on rhythm, throwing off off-platform, all that kind of stuff that uh, makes a QB special. Start with Justin because I know a lot of people would love to hear what you have to say about Justin because he, you know, was in it last year, got to Ohio State, took off, and now is looked at as a guy who – could possibly be one of the top players in the country, be a number one pick coming up next season. But what are your thoughts on Justin and where you think he can go uh, in this next season? If we have yeah, one. Justin, yeah, if we have, I mean, he's going to be tremendously successful because he's not only a tremendous physical talent, but he's amazing in the way that he understands and processes the game and how hard he works. There's not many people who work that hard when they're giving – given that many God-given gifts and abilities. Right. He has an opportunity to be the first pick in the draft if we play a season. I don't know exactly what happened if we don't play, <laughs> yeah. but he'll still be a he'll still be a top three pick. I For think sure. if we, we play this this upcoming football season, he's gonna he's gonna definitely be in the running for that first overall pick in the NFL draft. So not only that, now it's not just about being that high pick. It's about being successful in the NFL when you get there. Mm -hmm. And then he has the ability to do that because people create uh, people look to him in the locker room and he changes the whole gravity of that locker room. People are going to uh, come to him. He's going to be that leader very, very quickly. Um, he can galvanize a group of men um, and lead them in the right direction. He wasn't at Ohio State very long. Right. He got there right before last season and those guys to a man um, followed him. Whatever he said, they were down to do. And it takes a special person to be able to create um, that type of environment in locker room that quickly. Man, that's pretty cool. And obviously a guy who had so much success at two different schools, and then now he's taking his talents to Philly. What are your expectations for Jalen, man? Because Jalen seems like wherever he goes, he's going to be successful, and he's done it uh, time and time again when people have counted him out. Talk about Jalen and where you think his NFL career could be. Jalen is somebody who just puts his head down and goes to work uh, nonstop, right? And I think you've seen that. You've seen his progression from his early years at Alabama all the way through um, this past combine and his pro day. And you saw something he almost looked like a different person. That's because they put the work in. Like, he's he's a guy who's just going to hard hat on, son of a football coach. I'm really <laughs> willing to do whatever. <laughs> he's yeah. just willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, and he's going to keep doing that. 
Uh, he's in an interesting situation being behind Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. but but Carson's gotten hurt every year since he started playing football, so he's going to get an opportunity very, very quickly. Um, at some point, he'll be on the field this season, and when he does, I think he's going to take full advantage of it because he's so dynamic. He stresses the defense both with his legs and with his arm, yeah. um, and, I, and it's going to be hard for him to take over that team, but he's going to display the skills that people are going to know he's ready to take over a team and he'll get his opportunity um, in the near future. The last guy I want to ask you about, man, before we you know, we talk about some of the great things you got going on is a guy who's a homegrown guy. I even hit you up because I'm a fan now, you know, as a, as a bulldog. <laughs> I want to know, you know, what what's happening to this guy, Jamie Newman, coming uh, as a grad transfer from Wake Forest. Kind of give give the, uh, the the Georgia fans that listen to this what they should expect from Jamie Newman coming into this program. I think Georgia fans have a lot to be really, really excited about. You start looking and like really diving into like the advanced statistics. Mm-hmm. Someone who's super accurate when his guys weren't getting a ton of separation from their defenders. That's going to be something that's going to happen a lot in, in this all SEC season, right? Um, because there's so many great gifted athletes. But the guys he has who are going to catch the ball when he throws it are going to be a lot more talented than the guys he had at Wake Forest. So he's going to be able to eat, complete balls at an even higher percentage. And then we all know what he did with his legs. He probably carried the ball 25 times a game. Um, and a lot of the big games that they had last year at Wake Forest, mm-hmm. he won't have to do that um, when he's at Georgia. But people just having that on their mind, that this guy um, can can completely change the dynamic of the game when he just takes the ball and he runs with it, right. he's gonna really he's gonna really get some folks in the SEC <laughs> uh, their money's worth. That's yeah. a big dude. Yeah. That's a grown man running downhill at you yeah. when he decides to run it. But he also he also understands the game from the neck up. They put a lot on his shoulders at Wake Forest. Maybe not in terms of like working through a progression style offense, but he's still had to take in a lot of information to put guys in the right spots. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, him in the SEC with the level of talent surrounding him. Now, you talk about guys who can move. You talk about guys who can run, the guys who have that ability. And when I was doing my, my little research uh, on your big dog, I saw a quote that came up, and it kind of registered me because when I thought about naming this podcast, I thought about naming it Dual Threat because I was a guy who could run, who could also throw. And I read where you talked about there's a difference, and it came from, I think it might have came from Haskins, where he talked about Dual Threat, versus true threat. I thought that was one of the kind of realest kind of <laughs> little, little things that I saw. And the way you, you you said it, I thought really spoke volumes. Kind of explain the difference between the dual threat versus a true threat QB. Yeah, so I kept hearing the term dual threat thrown around a lot. And it, and, and I started to see it was like jaded. Um, they, they were saying it in a way to take away from somebody's ability to throw the football. They were really making it saying, yeah, we think he can do both, but we really think he's a runner. Mm. But I think that there's an elite class of individuals, whether it's the Mahomes, the Deshaun Watsons, the Justin Fields, the Jamies, the guys who are elite with their arm and elite with their legs, right. that makes them a true threat. Like, he truly threatens you in every single way that you can be threatened as a defense. Um, so I think that's a better term for the guys that are truly gifted um, in the way in the way that I think that the game is going now. Man, I love that. When I when I read that, I said, man, that's real. I, you know, <laughs> for, for so long, guys like myself, the, the, the African-American quarterbacks who you know, like I know, we're looked at in a certain light. And at times, I fought against myself to stay inside the pocket. 
And I think mm-hmm. nowadays a lot of quarterbacks are still trying to do that because they're looked at as a dual threat guy, but you want to be known as a passer. So when I read that, I was like, man, I was in that mindset for a lot of my career of being a dual threat guy, but I wanted to show people that I could stand in there, and that's a, a big difference. I want to, you know, before we let you get out of here, man, I, I want to talk to you about your, your QB Academy, uh, you found in the flight school, uh, the QB takeover. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on that's helping a lot of kids and, you know, guys on the next level. Talk about the Quincy Avery QB Academy and also the flight school and the kind of things you guys are doing, uh, not only physically, but mentally, while you're preparing these guys when you're training them? Yeah, I mean, started a couple – yeah, we got the companies rolling. Uh, something cool, I think, that we've done is been able to blend in the mental approach in terms of the physical side. You might have seen a couple of things we did, like video-wise, getting guys out there and incorporating chess um, with football. But it, it's more than that. I say yeah. it just in terms of chess. I have one of the uh, utmost – mindset trainers that trains people just on creating processes wow. um, going through things xyz how do i create a process as a line of scrimmage that i can use every single time or create a process from series to series you understand how it gets like you mm-hmm. might be down you're down three touchdowns or something you go to the sideline and you're thinking you got to make a bunch of hero plays and no bring doubt. yourself back but if you just went through the process doing things right um just go through this series complete that series get a touchdown come back and because all you can worry about is one play at a time, one series at a time, but creating those processes with our guys so that our guys are ready at every single step and turn throughout not only the season, but the all season and throughout their career. So we, we, I want to be as creative as I can. I want to challenge guys mentally, physically to put them in positions to be successful. But yeah, quarterback takeover is just the umbrella company, which we run everything under. That's where we have the high school, college, everybody who works under that. Then the Quincy Avery stuff is just me with those elite clients, whether those are the NFL guys or a couple of small group of, of college guys. And then we got flight school, which is our premier camp. Uh, we just got done with that, um, but we're, we're getting ready for next year. And I think we're going to, we're going to continue to grow and make this thing even bigger than it is so that we can, we can take guys to the next level and create um, a collection of the best quarterbacks all across the country. Man, good stuff, man. Well, I want to, I want to end on this for get your advice on this particular situation for maybe it's high school kids, maybe it's college kids, maybe it's guys on on the National Football League who struggle with different things going on on the field as well as off the field. What's your best advice you give to these kids these days about overcoming obstacles, being a guy who's resilient? Because you've been there, you've done it. But it's another story when you have to kind of get these kids into that mindset. Because I know a lot of kids who are, you know, in high school have big aspirations. How do you go about training those kids mentally as well as physically to get them to that point? Uh, so I'm going to add in an interesting component to that. Um, because those listeners are probably here, but the other people who make it harder on those guys to do that are probably listening too. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing I tell them is you got to remove your parents from the situation and not in terms of like being your parent, but not letting them take every obstacle away from you because parents have the tendency to try and make things very, very easy on their kids. And that's going to make it harder for them to be successful in the long run. You got to go through difficult situations. You got to understand that you can figure it out. You got to understand that when you go to this school, your freshman year in college, there's going to be a period of time where you're going to hate it. And you're going to think about going home. You're going to think about transferring. 
And if you've never been through the tough stuff before that, it gets really, really hard. So I want them to understand tough situations are great. We just got to be consistent in our actions and understand that if I do the right things over and over and over again, um, that the, the benefits of that are everlasting, not only in the game of football, but in the game of life. Like, I want to build successful men, not just yeah. successful quarterbacks. Man, well said, man. You know what? I want to thank you for coming on, man. And I think if anybody who wants to follow you, uh, they, they need to follow you at Quincy Avery on your IG. Uh, obviously, Quincy underscore Avery on, on Twitter. The things you're doing now, man, speaks volumes. I think tons of people, tons of kids who, who are aspiring to be where you are or aspiring to be where some guys that you train are uh, can get a lot from you. So I appreciate you joining me, man, dropping some of those those gems on uh, on us today, man. And uh, I know you're a busy man, but uh, after hearing your story and I think uh, understanding the passion that you have for uh, building these kids up, building these young men up and being their form from day one speaks volumes more than anything else. So uh, much respect here, man, uh, from one quarterback to another. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely respect what you're doing. And uh, trust me, man, there's a lot of people out there watching and a lot of people out there who uh, – I think I have much respect for everything you're doing. Truly appreciate that. All right, Q, man. Well, Quincy Avery, man, joining Triple Threat Podcast. Appreciate you joining us, Q, man. And uh, stay safe out there, man, and take care of that little girl because I know that little girl keep you keep you busy. <laughs> oh, man. Appreciate it. All right, bro. Man, I appreciate Quincy Avery dropping in on us. And as you can see, he's had a heck of a journey from where he started to where he ends. And I appreciate him opening up his heart today and letting us know you can make it out of some tough situations, man. And uh, this is a great dude, and he's done some good things, and he will continue to do that. So when you're watching some of your top players around the country and you're watching them on Sunday, he might have been with Quincy Avery at one point in time. So salute Quincy Avery, man. Continue to do great things, and uh, we appreciate you joining the Triple Threat Podcast today. Remember, continue to subscribe. Tell somebody. Continue to share. We appreciate all the love so far. We only hope to grow it. So we hope to see you guys next time. This has been the Triple Threat Podcast. I'm DJ Shockley. Deuces. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.